Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. So glad you're here. So glad to be with you. So today's episode is titled, Victory Requires Practice. And I actually got this sentence or a fragment of a sentence from my mom when she was telling me a story um, about something that happened at church. And for whatever reason, those three words just stuck with me. Victory requires practice. So here's a fun fact. I am extremely competitive. I am. If you know me, you are nodding your head right now because you know how competitive I am. I get that competitiveness from my dad. Um, My mom's pretty laid back and really kind. Um, I definitely get competitiveness from my dad. Uh, I think I shared with you a couple weeks ago about coffee and how when I met Jim and told him that I don't drink coffee, that almost was a deal breaker. Well, I will tell you there was a time when I first started dating Jim and we were playing cards with his mom and sister. Now, let me just tell you right now, his mom and sister are the sweetest people you will ever meet. But we're playing cards with them. And I remember, I think we're playing rummy or something. And I remember his mom saying, oh, I need this one card. And his sister was said to her like, oh, well, what card do you need? And then she proceeded to tell her the card she needed. And my sister-in-law was like, oh, I have that. Here, you can just have mine. And my eyes just lit up. And I gave Jim one of these looks like, what the heck is happening? I mean, we're playing a game, every man for himself, and his mom and sister are helping each other. And I was horrified. And I looked at him and like, is this how you are too? Like, are, are you not competitive like me? And he just looked at me and kind of shrugged it off like, well, that's just how they are. But for a second, when I thought that he might not be competitive like I am. It was a defining moment until he assured me later, like, no, my mom and sister are just really sweet people. I'm competitive like you. Game on. So yeah, it's interesting how little quirks or or different personality traits are just assumed across the board. Like just because I'm competitive, I just assume other people are. Like we're here to play. <sighs> Guys. I'm going to admit to you, this is something that I don't admit to many people, Um, but I'm so competitive, I don't let my kids win at anything. In fact, oh gosh, here's like the most embarrassing story of all. I remember I had to take my one kid to therapy and, you know, we're talking, doing the session. And at the very end, the therapist says, hey, do you guys all want to play a game of spot it? which is basically a card game where if you identify a picture that is on the card that you have in your hand, you can grab the card 
And um, anyway, just look it up. Google it if you're not familiar with Spot It. And so the therapist invited me to play along with them. And of course, I get into my competitive mode and I start winning because I don't know, I don't like to lose. And I'm halfway through this game and I see that my pile is a lot <laughs> bigger than than the kid and the therapist. And all of a sudden I have this panic like, oh my gosh, this therapist is going to want to see me in therapy because what parent doesn't let their child win a game in a therapist's office? Who does that? But apparently I do. So I am so ashamed and embarrassed to admit that story. But again, you guys are getting to know me and I figure you got to see all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, but I am extremely competitive. And yes, I even beat my own child when he was at a therapy appointment. So anyway, I love games. I love games, sports. I love watching sports on TV. I love watching my kids play sports. And I will be, here I go again, raising my hand. I will be honest. I'm that I'm that annoying parent that I don't yell loud because my kids have already made it very clear. They don't like when I yell for them or cheer them on or anything. Mom, stop it. Don't say anything. Just watch. So I've learned not to do that. But I just feel like sometimes they could benefit from additional coaching on the sideline, even if they can't hear me. So I'm constantly, like they're playing basketball. I'm like, oh, go for it. Steal. No, no. Dribble, other side, go up the left side. And I'm constantly giving direction, not out loud because I don't want to embarrass them and I don't want to upset them. Uh, But it's just loud enough to annoy everybody around me. And when I say everyone around me, I want you to think my family. They, I I just do. I drive them nuts. I am constantly, no, don't do that. Do this. And I'm constantly like commentating and I'm, I'm coaching Again, not loud enough for the kid to hear, but loud enough for anyone that's sitting next to me. And let's just say I'm working on it. All right. I'm going to try to do better this year. We're starting a whole new sports season. I've got one in cross country. I've got one taking tennis lessons. I've got one playing football. I've got one cheering. And I've got another one playing soccer. So clearly, I will have plenty of practice this fall season in trying to keep my mouth shut. We'll see. I'll keep you posted. So as you know, because I'm a competitive person, I'm also old school. I believe in one winner. And here we go. I'm going to say it. I hate participation trophies. I feel that the trophy should be reserved for the winner. And it's not that I'm against recognizing participation because, you know, The fact that you're out there, you're trying, you're giving it your best, absolutely should be recognized. I just don't think it should be recognized with a trophy. You know, maybe a pin or a typed sheet of paper that says, congratulations, you finished the season. But not a trophy. A trophy says you did it. You put in the hard work. You did everything you were supposed to do on the day you were supposed to do it. And now we recognize you with this piece of metal right? It shouldn't, everybody shouldn't receive the same recognition if everybody didn't do the same work. And so I know I may be on an island here and there's a lot of people that might disagree with me or maybe um, 
verbally tell me how much they don't agree with me later. That's okay, because it's my opinion. And I just, I firmly believe that victory is earned. It's not handed to you, right? To be victorious, you have to put in the time. You have to show up to practice. You have to show up to the games. You have to show up when you don't want to, when you don't feel like it. You have to sacrifice. You have to make hard choices, which means sometimes saying no to more, you know, opportunities that sound more fun. In order to be victorious, you have to prove that victory through what you do. You have to show up repeatedly. You know, think about those games that you watch for your kids, or if you remember playing sports as a kid, and those very first scrimmages and games where you've only had practice for like a week and a half, and then they throw you into a game situation. And it's terrible. You know, everybody's making mistakes. You know, people still don't understand the game. They're still learning their position. You know, having a clear defined winner, you know, with a team that knows exactly what they're doing, it doesn't happen at the beginning stages of the season. The real victory and where the hard work is, is put in at the end of the season after there has been multiple practices, multiple weeks of doing the same thing over and over again until you create muscle memory. But victory is never handed to somebody just after one or two practices. It doesn't work that way. And I'm going to be honest with you, so many of my clients, they want victory without doing the work, right? We all just want this magic pill. We just take this pill and it's, you know, immediately going to help our, you know, help us lose weight or give us more energy or correct a medical condition. We don't want to actually do the work. We just want to, you know, show up and get our participation trophy, And hope that it's good enough. But here's the thing. You know, we all know that it doesn't work that way. There is no magic pill. For true results, when it comes to your health, it's all about putting the time in. It's doing the work over and over and over again. And that is why I believe victory is reserved for the few. Not everybody that comes into my office is victorious. There's the hope that when they come into my office, they're going to be victorious. But there's, there are people that aren't. And some of the times that reason is because they don't do the work. You know, and I'm, I'm so thankful that they're there because sometimes, you know, there's different stages of readiness to change. You know, some people go in, they don't even know what they, they need to change. Some people are thinking about making changes. Some people are a lot closer to making changes. They're actually developing action plans. But in order to be victorious, you have to do the work. And you have to do the work over and over and over again. That's just how it works. You know, I sometimes I'll have clients who are like, yeah, but I'm only drinking two glasses of wine over the weekend instead of four. I don't understand why I didn't lose any weight. It's like, well, you know, that's a great change. That's a great start. But it's not going to happen after one weekend. You've got to show up over and over and over again. 
You have to do the work. Again, that's why victory is reserved for the few. And when you do put in the hard work, there's so much more satisfaction because you earned it. It wasn't handed to you. Now, you know I like to give you all the practical steps, right? So today we're going to talk about two things that we need to develop, two skill sets we need to develop if we want to be victorious too. And the first thing that we want to develop, number one, the skill set of patience. Let's talk about patience for a second. Most of us don't have it. Most of us don't have it. Most of us have not developed it in our lifetime. And I honestly believe in terms of health, you know, I'm not going to talk about other facets of our life, but in terms of health, and especially with weight loss, a lot of times the reason why we don't have patience is because the diet industry has promised us the world in about 10 days. Even though it sounds sketchy, it sounds fishy, like really, I really can lose 20 pounds in 10 days, but logically we know that can't happen, but mentally we just want it so bad that we're desperate enough to try to believe it and desperate enough to hand over our wallet. That's not fair. It's not fair to set you up with unrealistic expectations because the minute you don't lose 20 pounds in 10 days, you think you're the problem. You think you're to blame. And you're working with a flawed system. The reason you didn't lose 20 pounds in 10 days isn't because you did it wrong. Nobody loses 20 pounds in 10 days. Well, I should say there's few exceptions depending on your starting weight. But most people do not lose 20 pounds in 10 days. That is the rare exception, not the rule, which is promised to you in every promotion and marketing material. If you want to have long-term results, you've got to put in the time. And putting in the time requires patience. It does. So I want you to think about what your goal is. All right? What is your health goal? Is it to run a 5K? Is it to drop 10 pounds? Is it to improve your A1C or lower your cholesterol numbers? What is your health goal? And then I want you to think about how much time are you giving yourself to achieve that goal? I, I think I've talked about this in previous episodes. I told you one of my personal struggles when it comes to my health is overeating past fullness. I know I should know how to do this. I know I talk about it all the time, but it's something I personally struggle with, you know, from time to time. I do. And so this year, I always like to make goals. I think I shared this with you in previous episodes. I love to make goals at the beginning of the year. But this year, I made the goal of paying attention to my fullness signal and then honoring it. You know how long I gave myself to achieve this goal? Not two weeks, not three days, the whole year of 2021. I gave myself an entire year to practice because I know that doing it once or twice isn't going to get me the results I'm looking for. I'm not going to get the victory. I'm not going to get the win. If for 41 years I have practiced eating past fullness, what makes me think in three days I'm going to be able to, to overcome it? It's not even a real thing. So rather than setting myself up, self up for failure and disappointment, 
I'm setting myself up for success by giving myself plenty of time to develop a new skill set and practice so that I can have victory over this, this challenge. So I want you to really think about what timeline are you giving yourself? Is it realistic? Can it be done or are you just using information from a flawed system, aka diet industry, to tell you what you should be doing when that's not even realistic? And then when you recognize that it's going to take some time, being okay with it. I think that's the other part. We know it's going to take some time, but we're not happy about it. We don't have to be happy about it. Not one bit. <laughs> it, 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 it's one of those moot points. It just is what it is. So there's no use getting angry or agitated or frustrated. It's just part of the process. And the sooner you're able to acknowledge and accept it, the easier the journey becomes. Because then you're not fighting your emotions the entire time. It's really, really helpful. So that's number one. That's the first skill set I want you to develop. Number two, this is another hard one. It's the skill set of learning how to sit with uncomfortable feelings. How do you handle stress? How do you handle boredom? How do you handle disappointment? What are the ways that you cope with these uncomfortable emotions? You know, for so many of us, we have dealt with them with really unhealthy behaviors. Think of 2020. Think of how many people you know, or maybe even yourself, who turned to drinking as a coping strategy of being stuck in your house all the time. We joke around about the, um, you know, the COVID-19, the 19-pound weight gain that people have gained over the course of stay-at-home orders. You know, we joke about that number, but it's actually nothing to joke about at all because most of us turn to food to cope with the disappointment of losing a job or having to homeschool or, you know, having to learn to, you know, just live a new normal with masks and, and just uh, the divisiveness of everything right now. How do you handle stress? How do you handle anxiety? How do you handle boredom? I actually met with a client this week and we had this very discussion because anytime that she feels bored, it creates agitation and anxiety. I was like, don't be upset. (laughs) Just you never learned the skill set of how to be bored. So I'm going to share with you something and I'm going to tell you right now, I am totally judging this person. You know, those times where you're like, oh, I'm not judging, but, oh, no, I'm totally judging right now. So uh, this past week, I was um, going through a, um, like a Facebook post, and it was a page for moms to give advice to each other. And so sometimes I jump on just to see what the questions are. Sometimes they're nutrition related, so I like to help if I can. Other times people have really great questions like, what's the best face cream? And what should I get my eight-year-old son for his birthday? Well, this particular question asked, how old were your kids when you gave them their first device? 
And the first response said, we gave my daughter a mini iPad on her second birthday. And I judged away. In fact, I judged away. I circled. I actually took a screenshot and I circled the response and I sent it to my one friend who's a therapist. And I said, what the heck? And then I said to her, this will be a future patient at Body Metrics. And I wasn't trying to be mean. I was judging. But what? We're giving two-year-olds devices. And the reason the lady said she gave her two-year-old a device is because in the car she got bored. It's okay for kids to be bored. It is. It's part of life. I remember being bored on Sundays when my parents took a nap Sunday afternoon. And I would, oh, there's nothing to do. And my parents would give me a long list of things to do. And, of course, I didn't want to do any of them. But I learned how to be bored. In fact, we are at our most creative when we're bored. And if we're so quick to cover that up and use an electronic to cover up boredom, we're never going to be able to fully reach our potential with creativity. But a two-year-old, a two-year-old, because we didn't want her to be bored on a car ride. And so, yes, I completely judged, and I wasn't trying to be mean, but I was just being honest. Future patient at Body Metrics. If we do not teach our children the skill sets of how to be bored, how to deal with disappointment, how to, you know, What's it it like to feel stress and anxiety and how to handle that in productive ways versus just trying to cover it up with food or alcohol or gambling and spending money and smoking and all of those unhealthy behaviors, we're going to have a big problem on our hands. And we do already because I see them in my office every day. We need to let our kids understand what it's like to be disappointed. Hence, getting rid of the participation trophy. It all comes around, right? (laughs) Disappointment is part of life. It's not a fun part, but it's a part. And I truly believe if we knew how to handle those uncomfortable feelings, if we were better equipped at how to talk our way through them, there wouldn't be so much depression and anxiety. I would say if I, I've never done an actual calculation But I would probably say 8 out of 10 people that come into my office are on some type of antidepressant or anti-anxiety med. And I'm not discounting that the world is crazy right now because it is. And I'm not ever, ever putting down medication because there are times when it is absolutely necessary. But what if we start teaching each other what it looks like to cope And to process uncomfortable feelings so that we don't grow up into 40-year-olds eating our way through them. It's part, it's not, like I said, it's not a fun part of life, but it is a part of life. It's a skill set that will carry on that individual or carry through that individual for their entire life. So today, I want to teach you how to sit in the uncomfortable. I told you I met with that lady this week and she said, I don't know how to be bored. 
I was like, okay, I'm going to teach you. The next time you're bored, you're just going to sit there. You're just going to sit there in all of the uncomfortable feelings. And your brain's going to give you every reason why this is stupid and you should get up and you should just make it go away. And instead, you're going to just say, yep, I acknowledge his feelings, but I'm going to sit here anyway. Now, when you sit in the uncomfortable, there's a couple rules. Rule number one is you're not allowed to get up. (laughs) You're not allowed to get up. You're not allowed to eat. You're not allowed to drink something. I mean, you can drink water, but you're not allowed to drink alcohol. You're not allowed to smoke. You're not allowed to shop online. You just get to sit there. Now, depending on how you're feeling, if you're angry or anxious, you are allowed to cry. You're allowed to scream. You're allowed to shake. You're allowed to pray. You're allowed to wrap yourself in a blanket. And you're allowed to breathe. Think about an emotion that you cope with in an unhealthy way. I want you to just try it. In the instance of the lady I was working with this week, you know, we talked about, she's like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm like, then start small. She's like, I'm going to start with two minutes. I'm like, that's perfect. Remember, victory requires practice. It's not going to happen just because we had a conversation about it and all of a sudden it's going to be, you know, conquered. It's not how it works. I know I shared this story before of when a close friend passed. And I remember clear as day standing in my kitchen with all this food out on the counter. I don't even remember getting the food out. But I was so angry that her life was cut short. I was so sad because I didn't get to say goodbye to her and, you know, just reiterate how much she meant to me. And on autopilot, I started getting food out of the fridge. And I remember looking at the food and saying to myself out loud, because sometimes you need to say things out loud to snap you out of it. And I remember saying, Adrian, you are not hungry. You are sad. Go sit down and be sad. And so I took all the food and I put it back in the refrigerator and I walked out to the back deck and I just sat on a chair and cried. And did it suck? Yes. But eventually, it stopped sucking a little bit less. (laughs) Or (laughs) that didn't even make sense. It just, it started sucking less. Let's just say that. Enough to the point where I could get up and then go on with my day. And that doesn't mean that the overwhelm and the grief and the sadness didn't return later on in the day. Sometimes I would have to go sit down several times in a day. Choose your coping strategies wisely. If they are taking you further away from your health goals, then we need to teach you a different way. I promise you, the more you practice, the better you will become. This reminds me of a quote I once read. If you ever saw the Facebook page, it's called Humans of New York. And it's basically life lessons and 
stories of redemption and people taking care of each other. It's a very heartfelt page. And I happened to come across a, a post where uh, the homeless man was giving advice to people. And so I want to read it to you right now. It says, if you could give one piece of advice to a large group of people, what would it be? And the man replied, try your best to deal with life without medicating yourself. You mean drugs? I mean drugs, food, shopping, money, whatever. I ain't judging anybody either. I was hooked on heroin for years. But now I've learned that every feeling will pass if you give it time. And if you learn to deal with your feelings, they'll pass by faster each time. So don't rush to cover them up or you're never going to learn. Guys, I want you to be victorious too. And I believe in you. And just these small steps that we can take and practice every day, I promise will lead to victory in your life. Whew. Okay. All right, guys. Along the terms of being victorious, I'm going to give you a victory right now when it comes to your recipe. This is one of those three ingredient meals that you can throw together in less than two minutes in your crock pot, and then it is waiting for you when you get home. In fact, I just did this the other night because I knew I had to work. I knew multiple kids had practice and I needed an easy win and I didn't want to resort to pizza. So some of you have already used this recipe before, but this is just my variation on it. It is salsa chicken. Guys, it cannot get any easier than this. If I think I was even being too generous with two minutes. This actually can be pulled together in, I'm going to say a minute and a half because you got to open up a can. So that can take a little bit of time if you have to use a can opener. So you're going to get a pack of chicken. I usually do chicken breasts. You're going to get a jar of your favorite salsa. I usually try to do medium or um, something with a little kick to it just to give it more flavor. You can also add a jalapeno pepper if you want, depending on your family's preference. And then you're just going to open up a can of black beans and you're going to drain and rinse them in a colander and throw them in your crock pot. And that is it, right? You're going to stick all three of those ingredients into a crock pot. You're going to stick it on low for eight hours. And when you are ready to eat it, you're just going to take two forks and shred it. You can serve it over rice. You can serve it over potatoes. You can serve it alongside with a bag of frozen vegetables. You can serve it over cauliflower rice. Um, this is just your quick, easy win when you need to get dinner on the table and you don't have a lot of time to do it. Guys, I get it. Those days exist. And so we can too can be victorious if we practice finding healthy recipes and using them over and over again until, you know, we get really comfortable with them and we gain confidence in them that they can help us get the results we're looking for. All right, guys, that's all I got for you today. I hope you have an amazing week. I hope you're doing well and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, 
or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next.